Well, um, have you been following the news over the last few weeks with the um, uh, with the lockdown news? I'll just get my Bible. Um, have you been following the news with the lockdown? Because, uh, to be honest with you, I the news is um, it's just so depressing for me at the moment I find you know they just it's always bad news isn't it it's always oh we've had x number of deaths and um, uh, they're just always talking about the bad news aren't they and I've, I've kind of um, given up with the news a little bit um, I just don't like it um, it's not that I'm a, I wasn't a fan of the news before but oh, recently it's just all it's terrible but uh, I don't know if you're the same as that um, but uh, certainly for me, I think one of the things about the media lately, which has I found particularly notable in the crisis, and it's something actually which is just missing from what's going on. And to, to me, it's almost been missing to the point of being like a deafening silence. And that is any mention of God or any mention of prayer. You know, you remember when Boris Johnson, he'd been in hospital in the intensive care with the coronavirus and he came out of um, out of hospital and he he in his first sort of live address that he did, then he he thanked the NHS. And, you know, that's great. But there was absolutely no mention of God at all, no mention of prayer. And it, it jumped out at me, actually, that none of our politicians, none of the media have really talked about it and have talked about how important it is to be praying to God at this time. And that's a real contrast to the way that, um, for example, that our, our country handled World War Two. You know, there were, I think, seven national days of prayer in the Second World War. And it made a huge difference, actually. You know, they, people talk about the miracle of Dunkirk. And I know I've, I've told you about that before. And you can look that up if you, you'd like to. And I think it's why one of the things which has actually been getting to me more over the last few weeks is the government having closed the churches, you know, because I've been, you know, you see pictures of people, you know, they reopened B&Q and you see pictures of people sort of going into B&Q and getting inflatable hot tubs. And you think the government consider that essential, but yet churches, you know, people going into worship and to pray to our creator, that's non-essential, that's sort of private, personal business. And you think that it's a topsy-turvy world that we live in, you know, that where God is sort of bottom of the priorities list. It's like, well, you can believe in God if you like, but it doesn't really make any difference in the long run. And that's why I think it's so important to think about this series on prayer, because it encourages us, both encourages us to pray and encourages us in, in how we should be praying. You know, what, what to pray and, and just to pray in, in general. So today we're going to be thinking about this passage in John chapter 17, which is a prayer of Jesus. And it's great to begin with a prayer of Jesus. You know, there are lots of prayers um, all over the Bible, but great to be starting with this prayer. This is, uh, I think, um, a wonderful prayer to, to start with. And this passage, John chapter 17, is sometimes called Jesus' high priestly prayer. Um, I don't really know why it's called that, Jesus' high priestly prayer. But basically, he, he prays uh, in the first part, he prays for himself. In the second part, he prays for his disciples. And then in this final part, the part which we are looking at today, verses 20 to 26, he prays for all believers. 
and um, if you'd like to follow it along I can recommend having the passage open because I will be referring to it quite a bit through the through the sermon so John chapter 17 verses 20 to 26 I can't give you a page number I'm afraid um, so but um, you can you're sitting at home you know you can google it or, or what have you um, so Jesus he starts out this prayer saying my prayer is not for them alone them being the disciples I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he starts out by praying for uh, all believers. And I was just thinking about that and thinking, you know, how wonderful it is to know that we are those who, who believe through the message of, of the apostles. And Jesus prayed for us. You know, one of the last things that Jesus did while he was on earth, certainly in public, was he prayed for Christians for people who would believe in him. So Jesus was praying with you and me in mind as he prayed this and all believers. Isn't that a wonderful thought? You know, Jesus prayed for us. Uh, what did he pray? Well, he prayed that uh, all of them may be one. So he prayed for, for unity. That's the, the big content, I think, of this prayer, particularly this first sort of um, paragraph, verses 20 to, to 23. Just as he says, uh, you are um, you are in me and I in you. So he's saying that you know he and the Father are one. And you know we know of course as we know um, theologians have come up through the years of the concept of the Trinity, which is just explaining what's in the Bible. You know that the in the in the Trinity the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one, and there's not three gods but one, uh, and they um, uh, they're in, you know inseparable in a sense. And he's saying that that is the basis of our unity. And, you know, the, the good thing about this is thinking about the Trinity, that it's like the perfect version of unity. You know, it's not um, erasing our own individuality. It's not putting the group in front of us as individuals, but rather it's saying that each of us individually brings something unique to, to the whole. And each of us individually kind of contribute and, and work together to form a perfect whole, a perfect kind of working together. And that's what church and indeed human society should be like. That's what unity should be like. Now, it's not about erasing our individuality, but it should be each of us contributing the gifts that God has given us to the whole and fitting together perfectly. That is what Christian unity is about. And um, he says, um, just before that, just before that, he talks about those who believe in me through their message. You know, sometimes people think about unity as being about, um, you know, just being part of the same institution. You know, we're united because we're all part of St. John's and St. Mark's, or we're united because we're all part of one denomination, you know, the Church of England maybe. Um, but actually, Jesus says it's the message of the apostles. It's himself that brings unity. You know, it's, we're united with all Christians um, because we're united by the message by Jesus. That's what, what is the basis of our unity, not denominations or, or countries or, or anything like that. It's Jesus ultimately and the message about him, which is the basis of our, of our unity. Now, what's the purpose of our unity? And this is what Jesus goes on to say. Um, May they also be in us so that... The world may believe that you have sent me. So the purpose of us being united is so that 
the world may believe. The purpose is so that the world may may believe. Um, and so that's what we're about as a church. You know, we are here to show the world how he wants people to live. You know, we are here to show the world how good it is to belong to him, how good it is, you know, what life could look like when we are living in God's ways. You know, the church is meant to be a little picture, uh, a kind of God's, uh, you know, think about God's very good idea that Mark ran out just earlier. But, you know, that picture of people living in harmony and unity and the, you know, kind of the wonderful nature of what it means to, to live together. That's what the church is supposed to show to the world. You know, the church is supposed to say, hey, world, look at this. You know, this is how good it is to live in God's ways. This is what human society should look like when it's done rightly, when it's done in God's way. And, you know, I think people do notice that. Even though, of course, every church is, is marred by sin in some ways, I think people do notice. You know, people, for example, have said to me at um, Little Fishes that it's different from other groups. You know, it's not cliquey. People sort of, um, there are people to welcome people from, from the outside. And, you know, I've been to different toddler groups and, and my wife has been to various groups. And I think some groups are a bit cliquey. You know, they're, they're just about the closed sort of circle of friends. But, you know, Little Fishies is there for, for everyone and is wanting to welcome people in. And it makes it, you know, people notice that. You know, it makes a difference when you're there to look, look out for um, those who are the, the outsider, you know, the new, the new person who's come in. And that kind of thing makes a difference. I was struck by this um, a few weeks ago. We were watching Songs of Praise. And um, there was a, a young woman, a university student there, who was a student in Birmingham. And she'd been to one of the churches in Birmingham. And she had been an atheist. But she said one of the reasons that convinced her to come to church and to, to believe in Jesus was that people from the church were different. You know, they were happy. They were loving. And um, it just really struck her. And that's the thing that people are supposed to look at the church and say, God is there. You know, and just be able to see that we're different because of our love and our unity uh, together. And we're not just, as they say in football sometimes, no, we're not just a team of individuals, um, but we are actually meant to be together. Sorry, I just dropped all my notes on the floor. So we are uh, supposed to be working, working together. Now let's just pause for a second. Think about it. How often do we pray for unity? How often do we pray for it? Because I think if I if I think to my own prayers, I don't think I pray for unity that much. Um, in fact, you know, before this week when I was preparing for this this passage, I, I don't I can't think of it, you know, a time when I last actually prayed for it. You know, not just prayed for other people in the church, but actually prayed for unity. And um, and yeah, I think it's something worth thinking about, isn't it? If Jesus prayed for it, then should we pray for it as well? And we'll come back to that thought at the end. So just hold on for a, a few moments. So let's let's move on through this passage. Jesus says in verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. Uh, so they may be brought to complete unity. So Jesus says he gives them the glory. In John's gospel, the glory is 
um, usually referring to Jesus's um, cross, the, the cross, and um, that's what uh, that's what it, it usually refers to. Uh, and um, Jesus is is saying here, this is the basis of our unity, that. Uh, looking at the cross together you know we all stand at the foot of the cross and we all look up to Jesus and that you know as forgiven sinners that is the basis of our unity someone once said the ground is level at the foot of the cross and it is the leveler isn't it you know whether you're rich or poor whether you're of high social standing or low wherever you may be in life then at the cross we're all the same aren't we we're all forgiven sinners and that is what creates this sense of unity you know because we can put aside all of our, all of the other things that divide us and instead we can just look to Jesus from the same sort of um, position so the, the cross his glory is the basis of our of our unity <clears throat> and uh, in this uh, these couple of verses Jesus sort of really repeats what he said before so they may be brought to complete unity um, and and I was just thinking, you know, how important is it that Jesus, he doesn't just say it once, he says it twice, you know, prays for it twice, you know, unity, unity, it, it is really uh, important. I was um, you're thinking about that song, um, uh, Ben by the Jackson Five, I don't know if you know that song, but, um, you know, thinking about our mindset and I was thinking, you know, I used to say I and me, now it's us, now it's we. And was thinking about how that should be our new attitude as we belong to Jesus. You know, we shouldn't just be thinking about I and me, but thinking about us and, and we as the church. You know, God's new society together. Jesus prayed for it. And, you know, it's something which we should be praying for as well. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So it's not something which just happens, you know, we need to pray for it, we need to seek it, we need to ask God uh, for it. And, you know, Jesus prayed for it. And if Jesus prayed for it, then I think we certainly should as well. So uh, he goes on, Jesus, in, in verse uh, 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. So where is Jesus? If we turn back a little bit to John chapter 14, he says, um, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going words which we often have at uh, funerals but this is Jesus saying I'm going to prepare a place for you with his father in uh, well in heaven and and then ultimately in the new creation that's where Jesus is that's where his glory is uh, is displayed so Jesus is talking about the future here that you know we may be uh, with him uh, together all together all united all as one in the future and um <clears throat> That's a wonderful thing to look forward to in the future, that we'll, we will be perfect as, as God is perfect. I was, um, one of the things I learned at college was um, a little phrase, you know, the Trinity is a community of other person-centred love. 
The Trinity is a community of other person-centred love. That's meant to be what the church looks like. And one day that will be perfect, what, what the church looks like, what God's people looks like. Other person-centred love. And that's what all of our lives will look like. And just think how amazing that will be on the day when, when we do love as uh, God loves. So in the last uh, couple of verses, Jesus, uh, he, he finishes his prayer. He says, although the world does not know you, I know you. They know that you have sent me and I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. So Jesus says, although the world doesn't know you, I know you and I have made you known to them. So um, it's all about knowing, isn't it? You know, the world doesn't know God, but Jesus the Son of God has revealed God to us and we know him and so we should start to to look like him and this is why he, he finishes off he says in order that so that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them so we, you know, we should start bearing the family likeness we should start looking like Jesus looks you know we should love like God loves our lives should start to reflect that when we belong to God and we should you know start loving each other and this is why Jesus is praying for for this in the church we should start loving each other as uh, God loves and you know we should have that kind of love one for uh, another as his people because we all belong to the same heavenly father and so that Jesus is is in us you know we start uh, looking and behaving like like him as it were so let's um, let's draw some threads together as we we bring this to uh, to a conclusion. What can we say about this passage? And I think there are three lessons that I've uh, I've come up with from this passage. Three things that I'd like us to kind of take away from this and think about. The first one is that Jesus prays. You may think that's a, a fairly obvious thing, perhaps, but. I just thought, you know, surely if um, if the Son of God felt the need to pray on earth, then how much more should we? You know, Jesus knew that he couldn't do anything without prayer. And how often do we struggle by without praying? You know, that how often do we, is, you know, prayer is the last thing that we do very often. You know, it comes down sort of bottom of the list in our lives. And although we may have times for prayer, you know, when we're confronted with a difficult situation, I find this all the time. You know, when I'm confronted with a difficult situation, my last response, the thing that I think of last, will be to pray about it. But actually, Jesus, Jesus prayed and he prayed and took everything uh, to God in prayer. And we should pray as well. So that's something, um, you know, to think about that, you know, without prayer, we're just like King Canute, you know, trying to hold back the waves of the sea, but, but unable, we're powerless to do so. You know, but, but with ourselves, uh, with prayer, actually, it's, it's different. You know, we have God and, uh, and Jesus said nothing is impossible with God. And that's what, what prayer is. So I think the first lesson then is to devote ourselves to prayer. You know, Psalm 127, verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. And Martin Luther said, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. You know, prayer is like breathing to Christians, and we should be people of prayer as Jesus was. Lesson number two 
is that we should pray for unity and love as uh, Jesus prays here. Um, so this is um, praying for others comes into this and one of the things I like about um, the church um, sort of um, prayer calendar that we have is each day there's a different person to pray for um, most often and um, and I think that's good because it means that we're all praying for each other. And I, I do hope that you use the prayer uh, prayer calendar uh, every day. And it just helps to, to direct our prayers toward each other. And I know that there's a lot of prayer that goes on for each other outside of that. You know, that's really great. Um, but I think how often, like I said, do, how often do we pray for unity kind of more specifically? And I would hesitate to say, you know, I think most of us will probably not pray for unity quite specifically uh, very often, but perhaps we should. And one of the things that I've I've done actually since this week, um, I use an, an app on my um, my iPad, which is called PrayerMate, and you can also get it on smartphones and so on. It's just a really helpful thing, tool to help us pray. And um, you can just put in a list of subjects or people to pray for and how many you want to pray for every day. And it will show you it will you know, show you the list. And there are different things to subscribe to. It's really, really helpful uh, uh, thing to pray. Um, but, um, yeah, I've added unity as an item in there. And so I'll pray for that every few days for our church family. But perhaps you could do something similar if you don't use prayer mate. Maybe, you know, you can keep a list of things to pray for unity could be on that list just you know put put these verses down pray that for our church family you know pray that we will be united and, and loving as um, God is uh, you know in himself so that's a, a, a second thing is to to be more intentional about praying for unity um, lesson number three the final thing is to pray that people would see Jesus in us they're not just in us um, indivi as individuals, but in us uh, together as a, as a church. And I think a helpful question is to think about, is our church different and, and how is it different? You know, how do people see the difference? I'd like to, you know, just give a few bits of encouragement to say that I think there are ways in which our church is different. And I noticed actually just on the live stream a few minutes ago, people were saying how much they love and appreciate the church family. And I think, yes, you know, that, that there are a lot of good things. Um, uh, often when I you know, you know that um, the church staff have been um, phoning people and quite often when I phoned someone, um, they said, oh, someone already spoke to me yesterday on the phone. And, you know, so people are being kept in touch with, which I think is really great that, you know, we're keeping in touch with uh, with people on the phone. There have been so many offers of practical help. You know, and at the start of the lockdown, for example, we put out um, if anyone could help in practical ways. And a lot of people responded and a lot of people are doing practical things, which is, again, is, is great. And um, I'd just like to give a special mention to Clive and to the Fridays team. I don't know if they're, they're watching and I don't mean to embarrass them in this at all, but it just got me thinking the other day about how many other organisations are distributing food to their, to their you know, mem members. And, you know, to, to those who, who need it, you know, not not because of their that's their job, but just because of, out of love and, and care for them. And, you know, I think it just makes a real difference. And, you know, I don't say any of these things so that we can all give ourselves a pat on the back and say, oh, well done. You know, we've 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 nailed this one. We've cracked it. Not at all. 
But these are just ways in which I think, you know, that our, it does make a little difference, you know, and that people do see those kind of things. And that, um, you know, we just need to press on and we need to carry on. You know, it's encouragement that God is working, but it's also a challenge to say, you know, let's not get complacent. Let's keep praying and see what God can do because, um, you know, there's, um, there's more um, that, um, that God can do uh, among us and, uh, and looking at the, the wider church as well. So let's keep on praying and let's give thanks for what God has done and let's keep on praying uh, as well. So um, I think we'll, um, I think that's a good place to leave it. Let's, uh, let's pray as we, uh, as we come to a close now and let's ask God to help us uh, with these things. So dear Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for all that you've done in our church family. We thank you for the gift that you've given us of being able to pray to you and for the wonderful uh, encouragement of, that you always hear our prayers and that you, you do uh, you hear and answer us. And we pray that you would encourage us more to pray, help us to be a church of prayer. And we pray that you would increase our unity, our love for each other. And we pray that people would really notice that uh, you are in us and that you are making a difference in us as a church family. So we pray all of these things, Lord, and pray that you would uh, work in us this week and for uh, continuing into the future. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.